from the Caribbean and I'm a Christian boy. Oh, lad, oh, lad. Nothing wrong with that. Hello, hello, and welcome. This is Inspiration for Your Day. I'm so happy that you decided to join me. I'm making inspiration a part of your day. I'm your host, Nicole Georges Bennett. And as always, we've got a great program all set for you to help you get through your day, get through your morning. I really hope that it's been a good day for you so far, but if it's been a bit challenging, then you know this is the place to be to get your praise and your worship on. Can you believe it is only 11 days till Christmas? I know, wow came on us so quickly this year so i hope that you are having an opportunity to really reflect on what this season is all about and that will be part of our groundwork series coming up a little later in the show and we'll also have our devotional from the tlc devotional book so all of that and of course great gospel caribbean christmas music coming up on inspiration for your day young and old come along everyone can do it don't worry about nothing, hitting that no weight limit Cause this party is heavenly, that's the problem gone away It's a new kind of dancing, can lead you to your healing So get up and dance, dance your problem them away I know you've been waiting long, but your breakthrough is today Forget about every negative thing, get up and dance into your blessing It might look confusing, but it's Caribbean Christian living Caribbean Christian and dancing in my blood Caribbean Christian and dancing in my blood, my blood Caribbean Christian and dancing in my blood Caribbean Christian and dancing in my blood, my blood great to get started on that happy note if you hear some whining and barking in the background that's because we have a new member of the family I think I told you that we got a rabbit recently and now we've added a puppy named Simba to our mix it is quite the madhouse now <laughs> anyway folks let's uh, let's get focused here it is time to begin our devotional portion of the program and I'm going to start with a prayer and then I'm going to have uh, my husband Dalton very very graciously agreed to read our devotional for today so let's pray together Lord God I pray for your protection as I begin this day you are my hiding place and under your wings I can always find refuge protect me from trouble wherever I go and keep evil far from me no matter where I am, I will look to you as my protector, the one who fights for me every day. Your love and faithfulness, along with your goodness and mercy, surround me daily, so I will not fear whatever may come against me. My trust is in you, God, and I give thanks to you for your love and protection. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. 
The Christmas Carol, What Child Is This?, was written by William Dix in 1865 while recovering from a critical illness. Dix gave his heart to the Lord Jesus, and that experience led him to write the lyrics to this carol. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds' watch are keeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste, to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean estate, where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christians, fear, for sinners here the silent word is pleading. Nails, spare, shall pierce him through, the cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise a song on high, the virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. The song begins in the manger with the child sleeping on his mother's lap accompanied by angels and shepherds. But the second verse asks why he was lying in such mean estate. It goes on to speak of the reason for the coming of Christ Jesus, which was to make possible the salvation of sinners, and calls attention to the nails and his death on the cross that he would one day endure on our behalf. The third verse moves to a joyful tone, asking us to bring Jesus incense, gold, and myrrh. The reason is simple. The King of Kings has come to bring us salvation. This Christmas season, think about all that Jesus has done for you. He died that we might be freed from sin. What offering would be appropriate to give to the one who changed your life and gave you hope, freedom, and victory? Today, just like those magi some 2,000 years ago, bring him your very best and make him the king of your heart and life. This devotion was written by Pastor Brian Forster. Thank you for listening. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap asleep? Angels greet with anthems sweet While shepherds watch our keeping This, this is Christ the King Whom shepherds guide and angels sing Haste, haste to bring Him loud the babe, the son of Mary While lies he in such mean estate Where ox and ass are feeding Good Christians fee for sinners here The silent word is pleading Throne him. Pray.
and sings a lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him in sins, gold and myrrh, compass and king. Are you or someone you love struggling with the chains of drug addiction? Do you feel like there's no hope or no escape from your situation? My name is Sarita Jones. I am the founder and president of Burning Love Outreach. This ministry is based upon my real life experience. Led by the Holy Spirit, I traveled from a life of darkness and despair, suffering from drug abuse and addiction, to be reborn to a life filled with light, hope, and love. My goal is to see others experience the same joyful rebirth, to be bigger, bolder, and more valuable than they have ever imagined. For speaking engagements that will inspire a change in your community, please visit my website at burningloveoutreach.org. Remember, God has a plan for your life. So don't give in, don't give out, and don't give up. I want to say hi to a few people. You uh, you know, the TLC family has been so supportive, especially of the podcast. Thank you to all our listeners on life101radio.net. And I'd like to say hi to Yvonne and to Felicia and Nadine, also to Sigrid and Donna. Miss Donna, how are you? Also, hello to John and Joan. We continue to lift you up in our prayers, you and all the family. Hope everybody's doing well today. And Renee had a birthday recently. Happy birthday to you, Renee, and to all of you who are celebrating a birthday or an anniversary or a milestone this week. We want to celebrate with you. This song is just for you. Let the king of my heart the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good, you're good, oh. You're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my song. You are good. You're good. Oh, you are good. You're good, 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 good. Oh, 
gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Is your TLC 123? Don't forget to call one person, text two people from TLC just to see how they're doing, pray for three people from TLC every day. Let's be faithful to check up on each other, just like the Lord is faithful to us. Flickers in 
As you go through your day today, remember that sometimes in life, our blessings come early, sometimes they come later, but they always come and they're always on time. Keep praying, have faith, ask, believe, and wait. Miracles do happen. Hello to Sonia and Dwight and Aaliyah. Sometimes when we encounter something powerful, we sense that normal language will not suffice to describe it. Romantic love, acts of great heroism and valor, and certainly almighty miracles of God, describing such things defies ordinary speech, so we reach for poetry and for music. We write songs about such things. Well, when the early church pondered the miracle of God's Son being made human, they realized this was not just something to talk about. You had to sing about it. Today on Groundwork, we'll look at a very old hymn that talks about God becoming human. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose. 
And Dave, this is now uh, the second program in a four-part series we are recording to broadcast during Advent and the run-up to Christmas this year. And we decided to do something we've not done on Groundwork before. We've done a lot of different Advent and Christmas programs, have gone to all the usual go-to passages. But uh, this time we're going to go to the Apostle Paul. Uh, what did Paul have to say about the miracle of the Incarnation? The first program, we went to Galatians, where Paul pointed out that God sent his son into the world, born of a woman and born under the law, so that he could take the, the penalty of our failures and also keep the law perfectly for us as the perfect human being. In this program, we're going to go to Philippians, and then uh, in the next two programs, we'll go to First Timothy and then Colossians. Right, and all of these are pretty familiar passages if you're a Bible reader or a Bible student or even just a longtime Christian. In fact, even if you're just a longtime uh, Groundwork fan, we've done programs on all these chapters before, but we want to dig them out again and kind of rotate them slightly and think about them through the lens of the doctrine of the incarnation, the idea that God himself, all of God, poured himself into a human being, Jesus of Nazareth, who was really God and really human at the same time, completely and fully in every way, which is a big mystery yep. and uh, unfolds other mysteries to us about the nature of God's being, uh, the Trinity. But he did this for a specific purpose. And as we saw in Galatians, and as you just mentioned, it was to keep the law for us and pay the law's penalty on on those who broke it and uh, so redeem us and turn us into God's God's beloved children, which exactly. is, uh, that's wonderful gospel news. And we're going to uh, see some similar themes now in Philippians. And specifically, we're going to look at the great hymn, uh, a song that Paul quotes in Philippians 2. But let's remind ourselves just briefly about the nature of this particular epistle. We did that with Galatians as well. This is generally considered one of the friendliest and warmest uh, letters that Paul wrote, uh, though, as we'll see, that doesn't mean he was not unaware that there were some problems in Philippi 2, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But this is also uh, one of uh, the, the prison epistles, as they call right. it. Paul wrote this from prison, and we know that from the opening chapter, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So Paul's in prison, right? but he sees even this otherwise bad circumstances maybe helping the gospel get out more and more. Yeah. As you mentioned, this letter just gushes warmth and friendliness and gratitude, actually. I preached on chapter four recently of Philippians, and I, I said, this is really an extended thank you note, this whole little letter, because the Philippian church had helped Paul before, and they had helped him more recently with financial support so that he could actually live while he was imprisoned probably under house arrest, as we see at the end of Acts, where he had to pay rent on an apartment and, and have food and, and whatnot, but he was still under guard. So it, it's positive. But as you said, Scott, there are problems that he also addresses. He wants to say thanks. He wants to encourage them. He wants to tell them he's okay. He's learned to be content, whatever is happening to him. But he also wants to straighten out some little problems that have arisen. So he, he mentions actually two ladies, Euodia and Syntyche, who've had a conflict, and apparently there was, as so often the case with human beings, including in the church, there were tensions arising from maybe pride and self-seeking, and so Paul addresses that too. Sometimes Paul wrote to churches uh, that he didn't know. In fact, we'll see that in Colossians. Uh, it looks like he had never been to the church in Colossa, even though he wrote to them. It didn't look like he'd ever made it to Rome, uh, even though he wrote the his, probably his most famous letter to the Romans. But he knew some of the congregations quite well. Now, as we saw in the last program in this series, he knew the Galatians well, and he was yeah. pretty angry with them. And he came out pretty hot toward them because they had traded the true gospel for a false message. But Paul knew the Philippians well, too. In fact, again, 
in, in chapter one. He didn't, except for Galatians, Paul always had a Thanksgiving section. It was always warm. The one to the Philippians was super warm. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he just kind of goes on and on. There's um, that reference to financial support for him. Actually, yeah, that's that right. Partnership in the gospel means that. So I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus, he says. So he knew them well, but partly because he knew them well, he also, as you just said, Dave, he knew there were there were some cracks in the congregation. And uh, it looks like from the looks of quite a few places in this letter that the deadly, what we now recall the deadly sin of pride was um, tempting them. And they were, some of them were falling prey to the temptation to take on superior airs with yeah. each other. And Paul, much though he loved these people, he couldn't let it go because he knows that pride is almost the anti-Jesus way to live. Yeah, absolutely. In our last program, at the end, we, we talked about this wonderful equality that we have as part of the family of God. Neither male nor female, slave nor poor, Jew nor Gentile, these differences don't really matter as far as our status is concerned, and they shouldn't matter as far as we're concerned. But nevertheless, there's always a temptation for some people to look down on other people, yep. and, and it happens in the church. And when it does, it's absolutely uh, deadly. It's divisive. It creates cliques and, and party spirit and all the rest, especially in a contentious time like ours. We have to really guard against that, sort of demonizing our fellow Christians for whatever reason and being estranged from them. And so Paul is going to use the example of Jesus to argue against this very attitude. And we'll look at that in just a moment. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Scott Jose, along with Dave Bast, and you're listening to Groundwork in this second program in a four-part Advent series where we're going to passages in Paul where he touches on the centrality of the Son of God, the one we now know as Jesus, becoming human. And in the context of Philippians that we're looking at this program, Dave, Paul knows, as we just said, that pride and taking on airs and looking down our noses at other Christians is toxic to the gospel. It is antithetical to the gospel. It is antithetical to Jesus, who is the epitome of humility and service and sacrifice. And so um, in what we now call the second chapter, Dave, uh, Paul goes at that. Right. And uh, he begins this chapter by piling reason upon reason for them to listen to what he has to say. And uh, he, he writes this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, I read about four or five reasons there, yeah. uh, then his conclusion, make my joy complete, there's another reason, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So as you said, Dave, Paul lays it on pretty thick here. Uh, he mounts up reason after reason after reason to do this. If, 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 you know, um, maybe some of us can remember uh, at times uh, our parents kind of doing this. Well, if you care for me at all, if what your father's feelings mean anything to you, yeah. <laughs> if you love Jesus, then you're going to— If you, you know, want your allowance yeah. this week. <laughs> so, But he's laying it on thick because that's how important this is. They have to be humble as Jesus is humble. Everybody needs to look out for not their needs, but the needs of others. And if you worry that that means nobody's going to tend to your needs, don't. If we all look to the needs of others, somebody else will take care of you. But you need to worry more about others than yourself. Don't do anything out of vain conceit. Don't be proud. And then 
in a very famous passage, Paul gives us the reason why this is so important. And as we said earlier, most scholars believe that what Paul does here is he quotes a song that the Philippians already knew. Picking up right where you left off a minute ago, Dave, there in Philippians 2, now we're here in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, and now begins the song lyrics, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then the hymn takes a turn upward. It's gone down, down, down from heaven to humility to servant to the cross, the, the lowest point. And then it swings upward. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It, it really does sing, doesn't it, that language? It you, you want to put it to music. And there are echoes there, actually, of a wonderful verse in Isaiah where Isaiah says that every knee will bow before the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel. And here it's Jesus who is Lord, the God of Israel in the flesh. Yep. And of course, for an Advent series like this one, the key is verse 7, uh, where um, he makes himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So that's the key. Uh, and as we said in the prior program from Galatians, Dave, he needed to be a real human being so that he could do what real human beings do, which is die. And in his case, it was a sacrificial death on a cross, which bought our salvation and our reconciliation with God. But we could wonder a little bit, Dave, about the, the first part of verse 7. Many translations render it what we just read, that he made himself nothing. Hmm. That could sound vaguely insulting. What becoming human means being nothing? Are we humans nothing to God? What's going on there? Yeah. Are we just floor mats to be walked all over? No, that's probably not the best way to translate it. And the Greek verb actually means he emptied himself. Of what? Not of his deity, not of his divinity, but of his privilege as God, his position as God, perhaps some of his power as God, perhaps even some of his knowledge as God. He, he himself said when he was a man that he didn't know everything, didn't know the time of his own return. Um, he depended on the Father uh, for what he was and did. He relied upon the Spirit for uh, the working of his miracles. So this idea, and let's remember now the use to which Paul is putting here the doctrine of the Incarnation. He's calling for us to be humbled in the same way, perhaps to give up some of our rights and privileges as Jesus did. You know, there's an old military acronym, R H. I-P, rank hath its privileges. Mm. And if you're an officer, if you're a general, you you boss everybody around and you're served. <laughs> but Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, but to be served. And uh, so he gave that all up in becoming human. And we would have to say that what this does is it qualifies a little bit for us, our definition of divinity. Normally, a divine being would be omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. All of those things would live in the glory of heaven. Those are ordinarily what goes along with being a divine being, but apparently you can stay fully divine and uh, empty yourself of those things, lay them down for a while, because we confess Jesus was fully divine, even though for a time he was on one place at a time, like all human beings, not om omnipresent in the galaxies. And as you just said, he didn't always seem to know everything. When he went to school as a child to learn math, uh, we assume he wasn't faking it. His human nature was genuinely being educated, even though he had, as the Son of God, could have had knowledge that spanned all history and, and the galaxies. So he tossed that aside to become a real human being. And again, as we pointed out so often on Groundwork and as the church points out all the time, his humanity wasn't a costume. It wasn't fake humanity. He didn't just look like a human being, like Superman only looks like a mild-mannered reporter, Clark Kent. No, he was a genuine human being, and he did that for us yeah. um, so that he could save us. So here's the point of all this that Paul makes. 
most of us are familiar probably with the phrase, what would Jesus do as we're facing a distance? What would Jesus do? You know, the New Testament doesn't really make that point. Uh, the point the New Testament makes is, what did Jesus do? Right. And maybe you should do the same thing if you're a follower of Jesus. And actually, there are two specific things that Jesus did that were called to imitate him in uh, doing ourselves. One has to do with his death, where Peter says in 1 Peter 2 that he did not revile those who were persecuting him. He was patient. He trusted God. And we're called to be the same kind of gentle, non-retaliatory. And the other is here. We're told in no uncertain terms by Paul, we should be imitating his birth. What he did in his birth, he gave up privilege. He didn't insist on his own way. He didn't insist on all his rights. He didn't kind of put other people down because he disagreed with them, blah, 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 like we do. Uh, Think of the, uh, the problems with social media today. No, Jesus was humble, and he took the form of a servant. Sometimes people say, wouldn't it be nice to make Christmas last all year long? And sometimes they mean kind of this hallmark sentimentality thing. Well, there is a way to make Christmas last all year long. It's being humble as Jesus is humble, as you just said, Dave. But how do we do that? How might we think about that? We'll figure that out as we close out the program in just a moment. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Dave Bast. And I'm Scott Jose, and we're closing out this program, the second program in a four-part Advent series, uh, looking at passages in Paul. And uh, we've been looking at uh, particularly a hymn written in the early church, known to the Philippians, that Paul quotes back approvingly to them. And we said that's because when we encounter something majestic in our lives— Uh, we sing about it. Sometimes you need Handel's Hallelujah Chorus. You can't just say Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to sing it, and it kind of brings you to a new level of celebration, and that's what Paul is doing here uh, with this hymn, a hymn that was probably as familiar to the Philippians as O Come All Ye Faithful is to us. Paul is saying that's not just a good hymn. That's how you're going to live, like Jesus. Absolutely. It's often called by scholars the Christ hymn in the New Testament as it describes this mind-boggling, mind-blowing career of Jesus who was in very nature equal to God in every respect. You think of the beloved opening words of John's gospel. We'll look at those uh, again in a future program too. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in every respect, but he didn't just grab that and hang on to it. He freely gave it up, that status, that divine glory, and he lowered himself to be one of us and such a one as he was, living in poverty and dying in pain and shame in order to save us. But if there's any incentive in belonging to him, Paul says, in having his spirit you and I need to do the same thing. We need to be willing to surrender our privilege, our opinions, our whatever it is that we're clinging to that makes us sort of proud or cantankerous or in rivalry with our fellow, not just Christians, but human beings, right. and be humble. And let's admit that this is a countercultural thing to do. The goal— of so many people is to amass as much power and prestige and privilege as you can. And once you get it, you never let it go. In fact, you you want more. Everybody wants to be a leader, all right? So go to amazon.com and just punch in leadership. You're going to see thousands and thousands of books on how to become a leader and respected and have power. 
punch in discipleship or followership and you probably won't see very many books. And if there are any, they don't sell very well because everybody wants to be a leader. Nobody aspires to be a servant. You want to be a leader. And yet that's what we have to aspire to. So this is very countercultural. Yeah. And what does it mean to be a leader to most people? It means to impose your will on others, make them do what you want to make them think what you think. Uh, you tell them what you believe and they better respectfully say, oh, yeah, okay, you're the boss. Few things are more revolutionary than this, and yet this is what Jesus was his whole life long. Not weak, downtrodden, uh, not a pushover, certainly, if you know the Jesus of the Gospels. You know, he was far from that. But yet you think of his action in the upper room, which we looked at uh, not long ago in a groundwork program, where he gets up and he takes off his robe and he puts a towel around his waist and he assumes the posture of a slave to wash his disciples' feet. I've given you an example, he said, and that's exactly what Paul is getting at here. If he could do that, what about us? Right. It's countercultural, and therefore it's going to take, I think, for all of us, great intentionality. We're going to have to think about this. How do we model this for our children, our children who are also swept up in a culture of massive acquisitiveness where, you know, people on social media, on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, they're always comparing vacations. They're comparing their swimming pools or whether they even have a swimming pool. Everybody's life looks better than yours when you look on Facebook. I think we really need to, as parents, if we're privileged to be parents or grandparents or uncles and aunts and have an influence on children, how do we teach this to them? But Dave, maybe there's one other thing. You know, uh, when we went through uh, in 2020 with the pandemic, but also with all the racial reckoning, and we did a whole special series on COVID-19 and its effect on the world, and we talked about justice, and there's been a lot of racial reckoning and there, there's been, we've heard a lot of talk about white privilege. And those of us who are white, particularly in North America, but maybe throughout the world, there is a certain privilege that goes with that. The police are going to be less suspicious of you than of a black person doing the same thing as you. And so some people have talked about how do we lay aside our white privilege? How do we lay that down? Uh, and I've been challenged to do that by my friends who are African-American or Asian from other cultures. It's not easy to know what that means, and we're not going to be able in the few moments remaining in this program to spell it out. But could it be, Dave, that laying down white privilege is the same thing as Jesus laying aside the perks of divinity? He laid aside his power so that he could be a servant there may be something very Christ-like also in racial matters that, that we can imitate Jesus. Well, absolutely. I think so. I mean, just ask yourself this. If you're a white person, how do you react when you hear those words, white privilege? Do you bristle immediately? Do you get angry and defensive and go, oh, you liberal, et cetera, et cetera? Or do you say, wait a minute, let me stop and think about this. Let me try to empathize with people who are different from me, who have different experiences. And there are multiple levels of privilege, too, not just race, yeah. but economic status, educational background, family connections. And do you come from a strong family? Just that uh, gives privilege. So I said earlier, rank has its privileges, that old military uh, acronym. We have privileges, most of us. And the question is, are we willing to set those to one side and feel along with those who don't have such privilege and seek ways where we may serve them as Jesus served us? That's the point, Paul says. That's what the incarnation is all about. Think about uh, what he gave up in order to do that. And maybe we can do the same. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork, where your hosts, Scott Jose and Dave Bast, Join us again next time as we continue our study of the incarnation of Jesus in 1 Timothy 1, verses 13 to 17. And that's 
a wrap, folks. I really hope that you enjoyed the show today and that it's been a blessing to you. I really hope that it's lifted your heart, put a smile on your face, and a sense of renewed hope in your spirit. Remember to tune in on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. to the Lakeside Church Toronto Facebook page. want to say hi and thank you to Pastor Sarita and also to Caps and the team for the wonderful job that they do leading us in prayer every Tuesday evening. And also remember, uh, Sunday services are on the lakesidechurch.ca live stream at 10.30 a.m. So you've been listening to Inspiration for Your Day. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and God bless you.